0: Welcome along as we take another walk down memory lane. For the next half an hour or so, we will be reminiscing about the 1995 1996 campaign, and the man in the box opposite me was named Footballer of the Year that season. I'm delighted that Les Ferdinand could spare us some time today, or as he's still known on Tyneside, Sir Les Ferdinand.
1: Afternoon, <coughs> well, and how are
0: you? I'm green. How are you? Les? How's, how's life at the minute? How are you coping? Yeah, it's been it's been
1: tough. Um, I mean, for me in, in, in the position I'm in now as director of uh, football at Queens Park Rangers, um, I can I can kind of like re- re- work remotely from home. Um, I'm still getting sent loads of players, although we're, we're, we're yet to see what the, the financial uh, impact this has on, on football clubs to, to whether we're going to be buying or selling players um, when we do eventually finish the season. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been tough for everybody, um, uh, not just football, but the, the, the whole world.
0: Well, let's try and put a smile on a few faces, particularly those of black and white persuasion. Then let's go back to the summer of 1995. How long did you know that you were going to Newcastle? How early was this move in the pipeline?
1: I think time the end of the, the previous season, and I'd had a pretty good uh, season at, uh, at QPR. I think I'd scored 26 goals in all competitions in, in, in my final year at QPR. And um, myself and Ray Wilkins, who was the then manager, um, we'd gone to uh, uh, end of season. A tour to Barbados and um, the Caribbean and um, I always, always remember sitting with him having a drink and we both we, we both said that we, we'd have a chat come the end of the season as to where we were and what we felt and we kind of both felt it would, you know, I'd got to that stage where I, I perhaps needed to move on um, so it was, probably, it was probably decided in my my head probably the second half of the season that um, come the start of the next season I'd be playing football somewhere else Um but I continued to give my best and do my best for QPR. And then come the end of the season, the, the offers started to come in. And it was really funny because while I was on that tour of um, uh, Barbados, uh, Aston Villa were out there. And they were they had just played in Trinidad and Tobago and had come to play the team that we'd played in Barbados. And I always remember standing with Doug Ellis. And Doug Ellis said to me at the time, he said, we got first option on you. And I said, what does that mean, Doug? He said, well... Um, you know, I have spoken to Richard Thompson and he said, We can speak to you. I said, Well, I suppose if you bid the money and they accept it, then you can speak to me. So he said, Yeah, we'll be one of the first clubs that you talk to come the end of the season. I was like, I, I kinda of laughed it off at the time, um, because you know, the sun was shining, spirits were high. <laughs> yeah, so I just, you know, I just I, I sort of like shrugged it off and um but come the end of the season they were the first team to 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 bid the six million.
0: And it was, it was well known, certainly on Ty's side, that, that Kevin Keegan liked you. I think, he, I think he certainly made inquiries when Newcastle first got promoted. And then when Andy Cole left Newcastle for Manchester United, there seemed to be a, a general a groundswell of, of feeling that, that you would be the natural successor. How soon did you know that, that Kevin was interested in And what did he say to you?
1: I think he was, he, he'd been pretty complimentary about a couple of games I'd played against him. Um. While I've been at QPR, and, and, and in particular, we we uh, QPR won for the first time up at Tyneside, and uh, we won uh, we won two one in 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 the game up there, and I always remember coming off the pitch at the time and, and saying to the players in the changing room. Can you imagine playing in front of that week in week out? You know, I thought that the, the fans were absolutely unbelievable on the day, and and I always I always look at. Newcastle fans a little bit like you look at the, the, the Liverpool fans that if a team plays against them and they play really well they'll actually clap them off the pitch you know they can't understand football and they, they on the day I remember them clapping the QBR team off the pitch as well as clapping the Newcastle team who just lost and I was, and, and uh, that was the reason why I went in and said can you imagine playing in front of these week in week out um, and then it was kind of like documented that Keegan was an admirer. Um, and, it, and when I got there, it was um, a few of the players like you know Lee Clark and, and Steve Watson said, after you'd played up here, we got called in on the Sunday and made to watch the game again. And it was mainly for the defenders because I, I'd had a particularly good game on the day and, and, and said, look, this is what happened to you and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you made us all come in the next day because I like the way you played. So, um yeah, that was funny. And then, you know, come the end of the season, um Keegan made contact with my agent at the time and said, look, we'd really love, I know he's, that's the bid, we want a bid and we'd like the opportunity to speak to him. So this was probably the second week after the season finished. Um, so I met, I met with Kevin um, down in London. Um, well, in a hotel just outside of London and we had a conversation. I was sold within five minutes. I'd, I'd spent about two hours with Doug Ellis in his office at Aston Villa. There was no one there and we'd gone through this, that and the other. And without being, I'm not being disrespectful disrespectful to Aston Villa in any way, shape or form. But at the end of that that current season, I think QB had finished above them in the league. And for me to have gone to Aston Villa at that time would have been more of a sideways step for me than a, than a step upwards. Um, and, so, and that's how I felt at the time. And, and um, as much as I was flattered by the offer from Villa, once I sat down and spoke to Kevin Keegan, I thought if there was anyone I was going to learn from, if there was anyone that was going to better my career, you know, the way that Newcastle played at the time, and learning from someone who's been the best striker in this country in his time playing football, I thought the combination was 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 right for me.
0: So, talk me through the dressing room then, when you first arrived up at St James's Park. Who was the squad? Who was the first eleven at that point?
1: When I got there, I think. Oh, in 95, that season, I think, you know, uh, the club was going through a real transition in terms of, when I say real transition, they brought quite a few players in. They brought um, Shaka Hislop, they brought Warren Barton, they brought David Giannola, brought myself in. So, you know, to, to bring like four or five additions to, to, to the club at any one time is quite big in, in, in the summer for any team. And, and guys that they brought in that they wouldn't recognise as first-team players as well. Now, sometimes you bring a player in that might be a squad player, but at the time, these would br- you would bring these guys in to be first-team players. So, um, yeah, there was a bit of a turnaround. And obviously, there's going to be a little bit of disgruntlement because there's some players that are going to be in the dressing room that realise that uh, they're coming to the end of their time at the club. And, you know, Newcastle had been on a, a magnificent sort of rise from the from league, sh- from the Championship into the Premier League and was still rising. So... Those guys had been part of that. So, all of a sudden, there was other people that were coming through the core. And I didn't really face that problem because, you know, their, their big money signing in, in, in Andy Cole had left and gone to Man United. So, I was just, I was filling a void, if you like.
0: When you, you look at that team now and you're, you're thinking, so, yeah, you could choose between Pav and Shacker in goal, Bereson, and and fullbacks, fullbacks, Philippe Albert, Peacock, Howie, the centre-backs. Uh, what, midfield, Rob Lee, Lee Clark, Ginola, Gillespie, you, Beardsley up top, later on, Batty and Esprit joined. It's no wonder people say it was one of the best teams never to win the league.
1: Yeah, you know, Robbie Elliott as well. There was, there was quite a few players that probably, you know, there was Dave Kitson there who had been there for a few years. I'm just trying to think of all the names now that, you know, had already been, already yeah. been there and was, was playing. Uh, Scott, Scott Sellers was there. Um, when I joined. So, you know, there were some quality footballers that were, that, that were at the club and, you know, people were vying for, for, for places. And I think any club where you're going to be successful, that's always the case. You've always got people that want to take your place and you say you have to stay on top of your game. So, yeah, we had a, we had a real good squad of players that, you know, I was excited about getting to grips with.
0: And it started off really well. Pre season, you were flying. Then, first game of the season, your debut, Coventry, 3 0. You got the third. That must have felt good.
1: Yeah, you know it was, you know there's lots of talk, and I I knew what the Newcastle no, number nine meant to, to 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 Geordie supporters, and what it meant to 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 the Newcastle United team and and, and the fans and everything else. Um, but it probably wasn't until I scored that goal um, that I, I actually really realised because at that moment of me scoring the goal. The whole stadium erupted. You know, I didn't have a particularly good game. You know, I really wanted to play well, and, and, and so and I was I was very confident leaving QPR, going to Newcastle. It didn't matter where I went to, I felt I was going to go and I was going to play good football. Um, but when that goal went in, I kind of like realised the enormity of what it meant to the supporters. And as much as I said, I knew about the, what the number nine meant and playing for Newcastle meant. When I scored that goal, I can't realise because the whole place erupted. The roof nearly came off the place in, in terms of their number nine has scored on the opening day of the season. And, and then that was it for me, you know. It was, and it was
0: four in the first four. So you, you genuinely had hit the ground running. How important was that just to get a bit of momentum behind you and the team?
1: I think for you know in terms of scoring goals you know first and foremost I think my record's quite good on the open day of the season um, I do I do tend I did tend to score on the open day of the season um, and obviously doing that we led into Bolton uh, on the, on the Tuesday night Tuesday or Wednesday night I think it was and I remember going there and scoring two goals and then again at the weekend and, it, and then that's the kind of momentum as a center forward you want to get into no matter where you are where you've gone what you're doing as a center forward. Early part of the season, you want to be scoring goals, and it couldn't have started any better for me at uh, Newcastle. You know, I was playing with a group of players that I knew, game in, game out, were going to create chances for me.
0: As a slight aside, what, what do you feel? Or what would you say to, to Joel Linton, the current holder of the number nine shirt, because he didn't get off to a goal-scoring start? What does he have to do now to try and turn things around?
1: I mean. I kind of like knew Joe Linton before he went to, to, to Newcastle. So part of my job was to look at you know players around the, the world. And although we couldn't afford him, you know certain players come to light. And i had done some stuff with Hoffenheim, and uh, you know I knew their director of football quite well, and had spoken to him. And I'd seen Joe Linton play on a few occasions. The, 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 the problem he's got—I uh, say problem—he's got no. The, the, the difference between him, I don't see him as a traditional number nine. You know, when I've seen him him play his best football, he's one of what I call the modern-day centre-forwards who could play left, right, and through the centre. He actually prefers playing left and right than he he does playing through the centre. But when you've got someone of his ilk and his stature and his size, everybody expects him to be that number nine in a traditional sense of what a number nine used to be like at Newcastle United. So, you know, I don't know if that will change for him. In him learning that position, but to be a number nine in the way that they want him to be a number nine, he needs to learn that position. I'm not quite sure that's how he wants to play.
0: Time will tell. So let's go back to 95. So 13 goals for you in the first 10 games, and it was a double against two against Chelsea, two against City, and a goal against Everton away at Goodison, which you always see on all the highlight reels. What were they? How do you remember that then, those first 10 games? Because it just seemed like you
1: were scoring for fun. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a blur, really. I, you know, I just, uh, you know, you sit in the changing rooms before a game, and and, and without trying to sound arrogant, without trying to sound, sound flash, you just sit there thinking, yeah, I'll score today. And um, but that was just the, that was just uh I mean, with the team I was playing in, you know, you look around, and any centre forward will tell you you're only as good as the people that are around you. And I kept looking at the boys around and, you know, I was getting chances from Peter Bearsley, I was getting chances from David Ginola, uh, uh, Keith Gillespie, Rob Lee. And I just, you know, it was just, I knew, put yourself in a position. I used to say to them, never look for me in the box. Just cross the ball and I'll get on the end of it. And, you know, with David Ginola on one side and Keith Gillespie the other, the balls just kept raining in, raining in. And I just had to put myself in positions. And, um, you know, that's what I managed to do.
0: Was there what any specific days when you thought we are really in this title race, we could win it.
1: Yeah, I think that early part of the season, you know, when we, we, we started to, um, we, we were fearless. Um, and as well, we had the rubber of the green in, in, in some of the games and, and that happens in football, you know, decisions go your way, you know, little things that could have gone bounce left, bounce right in, in, into someone's path. And, and we, we had that rubber of the green in the early part of the season. Um. You know, I remember going to Goodison Park. Um, the goal you talk about, it says it's always shown on, uh, on highlight reels. And Kevin Keegan uh, pulled me up to the front of the coach. Um, and he said to me, you know, when I used to come and watch you at QBR, you'd pick the ball up on the halfway line or just after the half-flight and you'd run with it and you'd beat a few people and you'd score. Why don't you do that anymore? And I went, well, because when I pick the ball up now, I feel like I've got three, four, five options. And if I choose that option and I lose it, then the three or four good options that I had, I've I've wasted. So he went, I I, I forget where you're coming from, but I'd still like you to do it. I'd still like you to do it. And he said, perhaps not today, because we we never win here at Everton. Uh, For some reason, uh, Everton had been sort of like Newcastle's bogey team. And I went, well, I think we'll win today because... I don't really lose against Everton I said for whatever reason I have a real good record against Everton and um, I said if I scored two goals in the season it'd be one at home and one away against Everton you know I mean he started laughing <laughs> I picked the, the ball up on the halfway line and, and turned and ran and, and scored the goal and I looked at the bench and he went like hey, you know so yeah so that, that's, that's one goal that always sticks out in my mind because of the conversation we had before it
0: It was a, such a good start. I, I wonder, to me, the, the day when I certainly watching thought that you had a real shot at winning the league was when you beat Liverpool at St James's Park in about mid-November. And it was uh, you and Steve Watson got the winner really late.
1: Yeah. Um, I think on the day, you know, uh, if you if you saw that game, Liverpool perhaps gave us a in lesson. I mm. thought they were fantastic on the day we were, we were off our... We were off our mental. We weren't playing our free-flowing footballers as, as, as well as we had done in, in previous games. But we managed to get the goals. Um, I, I got one early goals, and I remember it sliding in and coming off, hitting one leg and coming off the knee and going in the back of the net. And then, you know, as you said, uh, someone, Rob Lee had a shot. Uh, David James spilt it, and, and, and Steve Watson went in. And but you know, I remember Liverpool playing really well on the day, gave us a real good run for our money, which you, you expected, and you probably looked at that at the time and thought these are the type of games we need to win. And if we're winning those type of games, then that gives us the best, a real good chance of winning this league. And um, leading up to Christmas, I think we were all thinking, you know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Peter Beersley had done some calculations. And if we'd kept winning in the manner that we were winning, we'd have, we would have had the league wrapped up by March. You could see why you would think that because it's in James's
0: Park, you would dominate, I think, 17 wins that season. Yeah. At home, and when you beat Bolton in January, that was the day when you were twelve points clear, and you certainly went from contenders to this. This is the year,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and we, we felt that, you know, we, we you know, again looking around at the, at the team, we was, we was confident in everybody. Everyone was on a high because we were that we were that, we were playing that well. The whole the whole I wouldn't even say the stadium; the whole area of Newcastle was on a high. And we were just riding the crest of that wave at the time because everybody was, you know, everyone was believing. And I always remember going home uh, back to London. Uh, Keegan said he'd go back for a couple of days, and I went back for a couple. It was over the Christmas period. It wasn't. It's was actually going into the new year. And we had a bit of a, we had a little bit of a lapse. So I went home for a couple of days, and I came back. I always remember I came back and I went straight, I came straight to Maiden Castle. And as I drove into the training ground, um, there was a fellow and he had a, sh- a shirt on. And it had uh, champions '95, '96 on the back, and I went, "Oh no, I didn't need to see that. You know, we, we're, we're celebrating this a little bit too early, like in mean, We need to." And I was thinking, I hope the lads don't see that because we need to knuckle down and let's not think that we've won this. We need to. There's, there's plenty of games to go, um, and there were just little omens that uh, probably crept in that you saw and you didn't really want to see because it, it could sidetrack you.
0: What did you think when Keegan brought in? Faustino Aspria and David Batty.
1: I think you know both of them were quality players. Um, I always remember we played, we played, we played someone, and then we had to go and play. I think we played Arsenal in the cup, and we we stayed at we stayed in Bournemouth. Um, we didn't go back to Newcastle because we were playing them on the Tuesday night, um, and so we stayed in Bournemouth for a couple of days. And um, I remember we played uh, we played Arsenal. We didn't play particularly well. We got beat. And um, I remember Kevin Keane coming into this. I went to the showers after he'd, he'd spoken. He'd, he'd done. He'd, he'd had a bit of a go at the players for the way we perform. And then I went to the showers. And as I went walked to the shower, he came to the shower and he said to me, "I know what's happening there." And I went, "What's that? What's that?" He said, "We've come. We've become too reliant on you getting us a goal, and it's too much. It's too much. Put, we're putting too much pressure on you. I need. I'm going to get someone to help you." And I went, "Okay." Um, and then he sort of like he walked off. And then the next week, there was reports of um, Esprilla. Uh, and, and I don't know if you remember, Andy, uh, Esprilla was due to come over. And, and then it looked like the deal was done. It, w- it wasn't going to happen. And then it went away. And then a couple of weeks later, it was back on again. And the next thing, you know, he was on side, uh, we, we were going to the Middlesbrough game and he turned up and he signed. And, it, and, and, he, and, you know, he was on the bench for the Middlesbrough game. And then I remember him coming off the bench. Um, we ended up winning that game 2-1. Um, we was losing one, deal. he came off the bench, did a bit of magic, made a goal for Steve Watson. And then I, sc- I scored the winner. Uh, and then after that, we was like, I can see why Keegan needs to get him in the side. Yeah, I and mean, then like, um, was, he was like, he was so talented. Do you know what I mean? You looked at him and you thought, he, he's going to benefit any team that he plays for. Um, and so we looked at him, we thought good, solid signings um, for us. And we were hoping that they were going to help our situation.
0: I suppose it's, it's really easy from the outside to say everything was going so well, 12 points clear, like two defeats all season till that point. Yeah. Then you sign two new players. Then you go on this run where I think it was two wins in eight. The one that always stands out was Manchester United, Monday nights St yeah. James' Park. I think at that point he'd it, it won 13 out of 13. Yeah. And it was, it was basically, it was, a, it was you v Peter Schmeichel for the first yeah. 45 minutes. Just could not score. He was incredible that night.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you look back on it and you think, you know, early on in the season, everything I hit was going in the back of the net. And on that night, everything I hit seemed to hit Peter Michael or go over the bar. You know, um, I wasn't alone. There was a few others that had good efforts. I think Philip Bear, Albert hit the crossbar, came down, bounced out. And, you know, I put the, the rebound over the bar. It was, you know, it was just one of those nights. And, you know, I remember speaking to Peter after and he said, half oh, of them I didn't even know but I just stuck my legs out, stuck my hands out and they, they hit me, you know. Um... And that's, that sometimes happens. Uh, and we, on the night, I thought for the first 45 minutes, we played some incredible stuff. Um, and, it, it, you know, OK, the result didn't go our way. But in terms of a match for Man United, I think everybody looked at us and thought, these are worthy title title contenders. Yeah, he had one
0: shot the entire game. Kansal gets the goal. There was yeah. a couple of things then in that next little run, which must have been so painful. That the Liverpool one always gets talked about, maybe the most famous game in Premier League history. What was it like to play in? Um, it's, it's
1: always a, it's always a weird one because I remember sort of like halfway through the game, um, I said halfway through the game, halfway through the second half of the game, um, someone went down injured and trainer came on. And um, I always remember going over and, you know, they have the, the water bottles and picking up the water bottle and take, having a drink. And I was thinking to myself, whoever's watching this game tonight is watching one hell of a game of football because it was end to end. It was end to end. There was no, you know, uh, you know, both defences were, were, were on the rack the whole game. Um, and unfortunately, again, we I thought we played some really good stuff. They played some good stuff. Um, but in the end, they, they got the result. And I remember going in, in after the game and, Sometimes you go in and a manager goes, you say, look, we scored three goals away from home. You'd expect to win the game. But he said, how can I have a go at anyone today after watching a display like that? You know, Keegan said, I'm lost for words. I don't even know what to say to you because that's the type of football I want my teams to play. Unfortunately, you come out on the, the wrong end of a result. And um, I think when I when I think back, people talk about the Man United game and stuff like that. That, that particular game there, I think there's momentum for a season. And I think if we'd have won that game there, that would have that would have bolstered us to go on and win the league. Because uh, you had that one, and then I think less than a week later, I think it
0: was uh, maybe beat QPR in the middle. You go to Blackburn, you're one up with five minutes to play, and then Graham Fenton, of all people, Crystal yeah. fan, not one really knew much about him. Young player, golden <laughs> yeah, goal yeah, twice yeah. in the last four minutes.
1: Yeah, and that, and that was just. That's just where we are I think David Batty scored in that in that in that Blackburn game, then it? it was his first goal, and um I remember him scoring and uh and then again we looked in control, and then you know, like I said, Graham Fenton from nowhere pops up and scores two goals, and we just think, yeah maybe this ain't meant to be I think it was probably that game because I, I, I you say q b r in between i don't. I, I felt I thought Blackburn was the next game after Liverpool, and we ended up losing that as well
0: there Um
1: is. But you could, you could, you could be right. You could be right. I mean, it's, it's you know, there's so many games; it becomes a bit of a blur. But I thought um, I do. The, the Blackburn game stands out because we went there and, and lost. And when you know earlier on in the season, we would have just blown them away. And I, I suppose it was at that point we started to, we probably started to disbelieve ourselves. Were
0: you having a personal dip at that point? I like think it was twenty-one goals in the first 25, and then your rate of goals slipped off a little bit as well. You scored against Liverpool in the 4-3, but it j- did you just drop a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think if you if you look to, I mean, they they, they re-ran the game the other night, and, uh, and one of my mates, you know, Chris Ramsey, who's uh, one of the coaches at QPR, with me, turned around and said to me, you was playing right back, you was playing right wing, you was playing, and I said, yeah, well, because what happened was we didn't have a right winger anymore. Uh, who uh, Keith Gillespie played that role um, and obviously Sprilla came into the side. Uh, Peter Bairdley was made to go out there but Pete was never going to play out there. He was going to come inside and so that left that, that, that area vulnerable. So it was either myself or Sprilla who had to do the, the the work to get back into that position. So whereas... Early on in the season, we 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 were playing. We were we were devoted to two two wide men crossing balls, and like I said, Peter and and Rob Lee coming through the middle. Um, we kind of like changed our, our way of playing a little bit, and meant that I had to vacate the centre forward position to be elsewhere. Um, and yeah, you know, I had a dip in, in in form, and I think Rob Lee was scoring goals quite regularly as well. And 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 I think they said that he hadn't scored a goal since December. Um, when they, when when I was listening to the piece the other day, and, I, and you know I've, I've often said this, um, too many of us lost form at the wrong time. Um, and it was is that because of the form, change? From,
0: sorry, you that, you'd have been better off if you hadn't changed it? If Asprey hadn't come in, Batty hadn't come in, just stayed with that that rigid four four two.
1: That's 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 hindsight now. I think we were all we were all quite maverick in the way that we played, and you know. Uh, to blame Bat- uh, David Batty and, uh, and and Esprilla would be wrong. I think what happened was, we from the from from the day one we were all our, our tactics were you'll score one but we'll score two, you'll score mm. two we'll score three, and then I think any in history any team that wins the Premier League at some stage you need to win a game one 0 and we probably didn't have that in our locker. We were, we you know, I used to, I used to see people when I used to come back to London. I'd be on a train or I'd be on 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 a, on a flight or whatever, and and people used to stop me and say, "I'm not a Newcastle United fan, but let me tell you something now. If they're on the box, I'm guarantee you I'm watching because I know there's going to be goals." And we we were probably at the time everybody's second favourite team if they if they supported another team, the team that they supported after that was Newcastle, just because of the way we play football and the brand of football that we played. But that meant we were vulnerable. I feel yeah. sorry for our, our centre-backs and our full-backs now because we were so maverick, we just pushed everyone forward because we were always trying to score goals. Ironically just towards
0: the end of the season, and you, you got on a little run, you got three back-to-back one nils, culminating in the win yeah. at Leeds, I think it was on a Monday night, but that That's was right. the last Kevin Keegan gave the, the famous, I would love it, interview. What did the players think there? Did you think, was that, is that the sort of thing you needed to hear, or did you think he, might, he was starting to, to let Sir Alex win the mental battle?
1: No, we, we we kind of like we always we always knew Kevin was the type of manager wore his, his heart on his sleeve, and you know, as 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 supporters as or whoever you are, you, you always want that from your players. You want to see that players are, are wearing their hearts on their sleeves for that team, and, and, and Kevin De- Keegan did that for, for Newcastle United. Unfortunately, um, when he did it, obviously it became you know the words he used and the way he did it was you know everyone was was mimicking him. But I don't think there was a player in the changing room that felt he'd lost it. We were, quite, we were quite made up with it. Do you know what I mean? We were thinking, yeah, we're still in this and we're going to battle because, you know, obviously, with the stuff that Alex Ferguson was saying and, and Alex Ferguson was the master of mind games. But we, we didn't see it as him getting the bread of Kevin Keegan. We just had Kevin Keegan showing his passion and how desperate he was for us to win the, win, win the, win the league.
0: In the end, of course, he finished with two draws. Forest and then Spurs at home in the last game was a bit of a damp squib because it was pretty much gone. But looking back, you 25 goals, runners up in the Premier League, and footballer of the year. Your first season on side couldn't have gone too much better.
1: No, you know, um, well, we could have gone a little bit better if we won the league. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. It, from from a personal point of view, in terms of uh, scoring goals. Um, I think it was 29 in all competitions. In the end, uh, you know, it was probably it was my best goal scoring season in my in, in my career. In, in, in terms of that, um, you know, and, and I know you know the PFA. Yeah, of course, it's, it's 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 an accolade for 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 scoring goals and and doing what I did. Um, you know, I think as I said, you know, when, when the voting's done, the voting's done earlier in the year, and it's not kind of like at the end of the season. But then you have to take into account the season before that. And and so if you if you're saying right it's over a uh, it's not over a full season it's, it's part of the season before that the season before that like I said I'd scored 26 goals at QPR and had probably my best year at QBR. so I kind of like just followed that year into a very good year at Newcastle the only thing that was missing and yeah okay um, I think there's no, no better accolade than being voted by your peers as their their, their player of the year um, but I would certainly have given that up. To see the rest of the team and myself lift the the, the Premier League title. Yeah, it was a
0: sensational year. Was it any part of you, Did you think you got better that summer, or was it was, there, was there um, something
1: next season? I think I think I played with better players, and again, without being disrespectful to to the QPR players, when I when I left QPR, I went and I knew I was going to play with a better group of players. Um, who had aspirations of trying to win the league. At QPR, we were perhaps going to go on a really good cup round. We were never going to be contenders for the Premier League. Um, we were just going to be a, a good mid-to-top-half table. Some day, some seasons we were going to flirt with relegations, but in, on the whole, we were going to be a mid-to-top-10 um, Premier League side. At Newcastle, I felt it was going. And that's the, I said I was only going to leave QPR if I felt I could go and better myself. And going to Newcastle is exactly what, what I did. And, and that was because of the players that were around me. Rather than... and I, Yeah, I suppose I did improve as a player, but I think it was more the players that were around me that improved me.
0: Was the second season at Newcastle, was that a better team again? Or did, some, did was, there, was there something missing from, from that, that previous year when you'd gone so close?
1: Yeah, I think there was a hangover from that previous year. Although we'd signed Allen in the summer and that was a major signing for us. Um, obviously, Allen coming in and being a quality player that he is. Um, his influence around the place, as well as his his, his ability to play football, um, was a major coup for us to get him. But there was there was there was there was something missing from the fact that we 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 should have you know we felt there was a lot of the boys in there that felt we should have won the league the year before. Um, and we we can't like finish runners up again that year without perhaps having the prowess and the, the level of performance that we had in the year before.
0: There was, was some great some great nights nice there, the 5-0 against Manchester United that mm-hmm. was at mid-October and he thought alright yeah. actually maybe this is the year
1: Yeah no I mean even then we, I still didn't think we'd played well enough throughout the season you know that 5-0 that was just testament to um, the fact that they'd beaten us 1-0 at home the year before um, the fact that they'd humiliated us in the, in the, in the charity shield at the start of the season um, and I always remember Kevin Keegan's team talk, and the team talk was just simply, "You owe those fans out there." And he walked out, and and you know, to a man in the dressing room, we all we all realised that, we all knew that. And and the crazy thing is, we probably played better in the first game. And when you got the back of the net, yeah, we we lost one nil, and then. In the second game, obviously the, everything we hit seemed to go in the back of the net, and it was just that it, it was just so ironic that we probably didn't play as well as we did in the second game. But everything we hit on target went in, you know. So um, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a little bit of uh, a consolation for the sort of supporters. But um, I sit here now, but it doesn't really. Um, it was a great game and, and, and a great result in the end. It doesn't sort of like uh, rectify the, the the season before that.
0: Where did Sir Les come from then? When did when did you get that nickname? I
1: mean it started at QPR. Um when I when I when I first uh when I really got into the side and started playing well. Um uh it, it came about then, followed me to to Tash in Turkey. They used to call me that out there. And then um it's a it's a nickname that uh, stuck with me throughout my career and um you know I've been called a lot worse when I've turned up at grounds in the past. But um, it's one uh, one of the nicknames that, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have.
0: I mean, only two years at Newcastle, but there was such genuine affection for you there. Looking back with hindsight, if there was one regret, did you go too soon?
1: Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Um and I've i I've often said it. Um, you know, some footballers uh, talk about their careers and said they they say I have no regrets. Um probably my pride took me away from St James's Park rather than my um I mean I should have stayed because I think it would have been the best thing for my footballing career. Um but my pride got in the way of the way I'd been treated and um and caused me to, 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 to move back down south to Tottenham. Although I was a Tottenham supporter as a boy and um to, to have that dream of playing for the team that you supported as a boy. Um, the pool was strong there. But in terms of, I knew I was going to a team that was in the process of trying to rebuild itself. Um, and I you know, having spoken to Alan Sugar and, and, and his his ideas of what he wanted to do at the football club um, persuaded me to go. Uh, a lot of the decision I made was based on pride rather than the, the, the best thing for my footballing career.
0: Probably what there was like three into two almost you Tino Alan Shearer all vying for for two or one spots on occasions.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was a little bit like that, and I, I kind of like would spoken to, to 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 Doug Leash and he said, look, I want to keep you. Um, but there's going to be times where I only play with one up front and that's going to be, you know, that would be Allen and, and I was going, to, what you're saying is, don't how well I'm playing and how badly Alan's playing, if you're playing one up front, it's going to be Alan. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, that's not really good enough for me. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm a footballer. I want to play. And if I'm playing well, I ain't sitting on the bench. And I know you, I say that now when you look at you look at football now and it's all about rotation and, you know, you play one game, this one plays one game. But we, we, were, we were all from the same kind of like, Mind, mindful uh, and as a centre forward, if you're playing and you're scoring goals, don't put me on the bench. That's not where I want to. That's not where I want to be. And we were all of them at the same mindset. I think all the all the centre forwards in that in that era, um, would have been on the same mindset. I'm playing, and if I'm playing well, I, I need to be out on that pitch. Don't put me on the bench. It was an amazing time yeah listen um people say to me you know uh, what was the most enjoyable time in your career and I had some unbelievable fantastic unbelievably fantastic times at QPR um, I had a great uh, bunch of players that play with and you know they they, they, they gave me the, the platform to do what I did and, and, and go on to Newcastle but probably Newcastle was the best Best period of my in my career, just because we simply had a, a team that could challenge and challenge not only for 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 the Premier League, but for cups. And in hindsight, I left. I left the year I left. They got to the DFA Cup final on two occasions. Yeah. And so you know, it just goes to show I left a little bit too early. the The affection from supporters. Um, when I speak to people now, even now when I talk to people, the one thing they say to me, I cannot believe you was at Newcastle for two years you <laughs>